The Avalanches are a plunderphonics and psychedelic hip-hop group formed in Melbourne, Australia. After humble beginnings as a noise punk outfit, the group shifted to using samples as the main component of their compositions. Their debut album, Since I Left You, reached mainstream worldwide acclaim and has procured the Avalanches an influential position in distinguished electronic music. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Roots to Grooves. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Jesse. I'm Quigley. Jay. This is Jay Purcell. Purcell, yeah. Seattle, Washington. Another rainy night. Another rainy night. Jay, tell me, have you heard of the word plunderphonics? Maybe. I just uh, discovered this word upon research for this episode. Plunderphonics. Plunderphonics. Uh, I guess, uh, let me pull up the old definition. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I had it ready. But constructed by sampling recognizable musical works. A pretty oh. simple. That makes sense now. Apt. Now I think about plunder and phonics. I, I get the phonics. <laughs> what, what's plunder? Uh, plun- you don't know the word plunder? No. Like, uh, uh, it's like going into something. I'm plundering into something. Plunder. Plunder. Okay. No, see, well, I love it. I think, yeah. I, let's look up the real definition. I think um, <clears throat> P-L-U-N-D-E-R. Yeah, how it sounds, you know, phonetically. Oh, it says uh, to steal goods from plunder a place or person typically using force and a time of war or civil disorder now that you say that it Loot. reminds me of pirates yeah looting is another thing that comes up here in google plunder uh, the the violent and dishonest acquisition of property <laughs> okay so well, interesting so like stealing music and from phonics and then making it your own plunder okay phonics wow so i mean yes yeah, what many artists are doing using samples from recognizable works that they are inspired by yeah. and influenced by and, and putting it into a new concoction that makes new music. Yeah. And that's uh, the avalanches this week. That's who we're talking uh, about. The avalanches um, from down under down under. Yeah. Um, from Australia, Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. So but, these, these guys are super cool. Yeah. Um, kind of coming out of, uh, I guess they kind of got their start in the nineties. Yeah, they they had a band called Alarm One Fifteen. Yeah, and it was kind of a, a noise pop kind of Beastie Boys kind of rap. Yeah, um, was it so, that or was it like punk again? Well, I think it was punk. a little bit of both. Okay, yeah, I think they were doing a lot. They had some guitar, they had bass, like yeah. live bass. They had keyboards. Yeah, yeah, a well, guy scratching, real drums. Yeah, it must be because I I saw the lineup and it was like they mentioned keyboards a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, they were doing something a little bit different than what yeah. they're now known for. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of uh, sampled 60s psychedelia mixed with 90s breakbeat hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think they came out of that whole Beastie Boys uh-huh. type thing. They even, um, I think in their early days, uh, went on tour of Beastie Boys and opened up for them. Yeah. shows and stuff like that. Yeah, well. which is yeah. super cool. I think, yeah, they opened for them. They opened for Beck at some point. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So Similar. same kind of... Yeah, early Beck, because Beck back then was a little bit more in that realm of rocky, beat. Yeah, tri- colorful, colorful yeah. sampled hip-hop. Yeah. Um, yeah, Beck's doped still to this day. Yeah, I love Beck. Um, so that's, that's, that's another artist we should talk about. We should about. talk about I Beck just, next I just time. realized that. He's, he's great, he's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the, I mean, yeah, so this their music is filled with dance, disco, hip-hop. Yeah. Um oldies samples like kind of some of the stuff sounds like it's coming from a jackson 5 record hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, stuff like that. But uh, the people in the band, Robbie Chater, mm-hmm. Tony DeBlasi, mm-hmm. Darren Seltman, um, I, I th- uh, what's his name? Manabu Ito mm-hmm. on drums, I, th- I think. Was there anybody else? Uh, yeah, quite a few other members. Uh, they're, they're quite a lineup. They've had... Constantly uh, changing a little bit. A guy called Gordon McQuilton. Right. Darren, yeah, Darren Selman, you said Dexter Fabay, then James Delacruz. I think a couple of these guys went there we through go. diff- different pseudonyms. DJ Dexter or something like that is one of those guys. Yeah. So they had a little, I think at least a couple of those past members were doing like live turntable scratching with them live mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, so I mean, they had, they had a band. They started as yeah. a band. And I think that's what they always wa- kind of wanted to go for. Um, yeah. Once, once the, I, I guess today there's only two members that are they would say are in the group yeah yeah so i think they it's kind of fuzzy because they sort of gone through different members and lineups but yeah i was i was having a hard time figuring out what the timeline was of who was in the band and who was out at what points yeah but like you say they had this sort of noise punk band Mm -hmm. called what was it alarm alarm 115 Alarm 115 i'm guessing that's unless you say 115 yeah my band is a lot alarm 115 very, very astute. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, because you mentioned this guy Manabu Ito, who played drums for them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, super mysterious person, um, because apparently he ended up getting deported from Australia. Oh yeah, I saw that. So, I'm not sure. So he was out of the band at that point. Yeah, I'm not sure where he's from originally, and I tried to sort of see what he might be doing now, and there was like this Reddit thread and some people were saying he was an imaginary character and some other people were saying no he's real he just commented on facebook about something and then someone else said that's a fake account <laughs> someone else said he might be living in japan now so we don't know interesting there are some yeah. some mysteries about this band that i was i was yeah. having a hard time look, um finding any information on yeah it's, it's crazy i mean there is a uh, one really good sort of documentary from the 90s Mm -hmm. uh, that is on youtube a little clip from i think it was from some tv show or something which is a really good shows them when they're super young back in the early days i think probably around the time of um when their first ep came out and between their first album right um because they do so they officially have three albums out but they three uh, LPs, three LPs, full length, and then their official first release was an EP um, called what was it called? I think it was uh, uh, product L product L or something. El producto. El producto. Yeah. El, El producto. Yeah, that's what I have El, at least in 1997. Yeah, as an extended play. And I think EP. The, yeah, the documentary around then um, I think was sort of around that time because mm-hmm. um, it shows the guy that uh, signed them um find his uh, name steve right. pavlovic yeah he's like apparently like an australian sort of um uh music entrepreneur founded a bunch of record labels founded wondergram records um he i think which has gone on to now uh be the home of tame impala and wolf mother cool yeah both cool yeah. artists as well massive obviously tame impala obviously being a massive artist right now yeah inspirational Australian yeah, he's, he's all over worldwide. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Steve Pavlovic, he, he had his label Modular Recordings. That's right. So he signed these guys when they were still kind of up and coming, had their building their sound, a couple EPs before the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 1997, El Producto. I wasn't able to find this music. Um, it's, not, it's not on Spotify. 
It is on YouTube. I found though. Okay, I wasn't um, able to listen to it. it. Oh really? Oh maybe. I, I didn't. I didn't find it. I sh- were you in a different country? I failed. <laughs> I don't. One way or another. Um, yeah, I found them. Uh, if you search them on YouTube, that some someone has kindly uploaded those, including their very first single, which I think was called "Rock City" or something. Like yeah, that, I think that's right. Which is also a clip of them playing that live on some TV show, and it looks straight out of Beastie Boys. Like, well, they have a drummer two keys bass player singer i think that's the video i saw it looks like there's an yeah. ocean behind them kind of yeah. it's kind of a whole backdrop and they got like vinyl records all over the floor yeah they're like they're that. throwing them on the floor the, the band members are <laughs> playing their instrument on the floor like yeah. it was it was a raucous yeah, kind yeah. of uh vibe which was really yeah. fun to watch yeah um and it turned out to be a little bit different than what they ended up being um but it looks yeah. like it would have been an entertaining show i, I would For definitely sure. go to that show yeah well that's uh i made me let's jump to it now but I, it seems like they had some very crazy shows because uh darren selton at least has broken bones in two separate shows i think he broke two different legs yeah i, I think like he broken a, a leg once at some show and then like about 10 years later he broke his ankle or something okay like I- <laughs> just from like jumping around on stage and colliding into other yeah bands. so these guys are you know they have the energy they're, they're bringing a lot of energy to their music and to their live shows which yeah. is super cool um, so I don't know too much about El Producto, but you say it's, it's probably pretty cool. It's a little more towards Beastie Boys kind of sound. Um, yeah, for sure. Who's so. one of their influences, I'm sure. Yeah, it seems like it. And they, they end up, yeah, they opened up for Beastie Boys on some tours, like you said. Yeah. We can, do you want to, I could spend just a little brief clip Give, of, give us a little um, teaser, a little, little taste. Uh, of Rock City, which I think was on the debut EP, but it was their yeah. very first official release in, I think, single out in the world. I think in, ooh, I don't know, when, 97 or something like that? Yeah, um, that's when that EP came out at least. Give yeah. us a little taste. A little taste. Rad, so it does, it does sound pretty... Oh, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Sorry. So yeah, that's, that sounds a little bit more kind of noise rocky, a little bit more... Definitely uh, Beastie Boys, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But um, sounds like it's a mixture of their kind of band vibe and their more modern sample Yeah. Nice and uh, smooth kind of smooth sample production. Definitely, yeah. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll reference that documentary again that I saw on YouTube. If you just search the Avalanches, you can find it and watch it. It's like a 10-minute mm, documentary or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it shows them sampling and... Uh, Features a lot of Darren Seltman talking a lot about their music making process. Um, someone who's not in the band uh, right now, um, but was a huge influence on the creation of, yeah, you know, the conception of the band and, yeah. and their, their their first music. And it shows them. Um, so I think you know they had the band originally. They were making music with keyboards and ba- drums and bass guitar, and then they started to get into the sample culture world, mm-hmm. the plunderphoniking of things. Um, and uh, got some early samplers, some early like computer things. Mm-hmm. And in this documentary, it's like he's uh, uh, Darren is like there, and he's like, "Yeah, we've only had this for like three months. We still don't really know how to use it." And and uh, and I think in another interview, it said they took him like three years to get really good at sampling, mm-hmm. um, which has become the foundation of how they create music, at least over the first two albums. And the first EP and some mixtapes and stuff like that. Um, I'm not too sure about. I think they 
probably sort of taking a slightly different direction now with their latest release that, that came out, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. Only came out in 2020. Um, yeah, so I think a, a lot of their stuff, they were starting to work on a lot of these tracks that ended up being on their first LP, Since I Left You, in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, were, they had a whole bank of different tracks and ideas, and they released El Producto. In 1999, they released Rex Records. Are you familiar? No. It was an exclusive release in the UK. Really? And I wasn't able to find that one either. Maybe I'm just not as good at research as you, but um, it was exclusive to the UK, and I I haven't heard it. It was called Undersea Community. Oh, wow. Yeah. Different tracks on there then, you think? I think so, yeah, 1999, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, I wasn't able to listen to it, though. Yeah. So there it is, though. If anybody can find it, let us know if it's good. Yeah, they've had a few... I mean, being from Australia, they have like the record labels in Australia that they're on. And then they were on different labels in different countries. Like uh, mm-hmm. in, in the UK, I think they eventually got on XL, which is a big label now. I don't think it was a big label at the time. They were just still kind of getting started. I think Prodigy was on XL, maybe. Cool. Like that. Um, and then uh, in America um, with EMI somehow, one some sub-label of EMI. Because um, it's an interesting thing so, where they talk about clearing samples because they have to clear samples. And yeah. There's this one and, moment in this documentary, I, I think it's Darren saying that, um, yeah, I just talked to EMI on the phone and they were like, um, we're going to get this R label in the UK to send the request to clear the sample because no one knows who they are. <laughs> and so if they send the request in, the rights holders are probably going to think, oh, there's not much money in it. Because, right. you know, versus coming from EMI, you know, as versus Excel or whatever the label was kind of thing. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think they had problems with sampling. I mean, all through their their career, they've had to deal with that yeah. since they used so many samples. I think in their, their second LP, they used like over 3,500 different samples. Yeah. So they're running into problems all the time, taking a lot of time to, to, to make sure these samples are cleared. And yeah. I, I, I know they ran into a couple problems where artists, they didn't know who the avalanches were. And they're like, yeah, sure, you can sample us. And then they found out who the avalanches were after their first album. And they're like, actually, we would like a little bit more like, money. Oh, shit. Yeah. Can we go uh, back? Can we retroactively? Yeah, can we, let's, um, let's, let's reconfigure this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they had a whole bank of songs, a whole bunch of ideas, gaining a lot of momentum worldwide, yeah. a lot of acclaim worldwide. Yeah. And this kind of led them up to their first album in 2000, Since I Left You, which has gone on to be super influential. A lot of people like it, worldwide acclaim. Yeah. Um, they won some awards and everything. Should we, should we talk about that album? Um, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I mean, at this point, it was mostly Darren Seltman and Robbie Chater, mm-hmm. as far as I know, um, kind of heading the production of this. Mm. Um, it's kind of, the album I found is kind of emotional, but it's kind of disco, it's still dancey. Yeah, I just felt like it was one massive party mixtape. Yeah, is it, what it sounded like to totally. me. Totally, and it's really fun. It's really great, and um, you can tell that there's three thousand five hundred samples. Of, yeah, think, it's it colorful. Just goes all over the place. There's so many patterns and textures. And yeah, little moments and yeah. If you just, it's kind of an interesting album because uh, there are individual tracks, but they all sort of kind of mix into each other. I feel like so. There's never a non. There's never any silence between tracks on the album. Right, you just listen to it all through, and it's that's. I think that's why I say it's kind of a mixtape because it's it just flows all the way. Yeah, the songs seem to run together, run into each other. the The attention to detail is incredible. Yeah, there's all kinds of different sounds. Listen to it on headphones, and there's stuff in the the left, the right, just coming in and out. Different sounds, yeah. not even musical sounds. They've used sounds like helicopter sounds, cars, 
yeah. you know, party sounds yeah. on top of some live instrumentation as well. Weird vocal snippets. And yeah, stuff like yeah, that. yeah. And yeah. I think this, they used more features in, in, in later albums, but this one was mostly samples. Yeah. Um, yeah. On later albums, they actually had, they actually worked with vocalists and stuff recording live stuff to add to their sampled music. Yeah. Um, but this is essentially all instrumental using samples and there's vocals and stuff, but it's all samples. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think they were, the way they worked on it, they both had their own home studio, essentially yeah. with a few small bits of um, equipment like an MPC or whatever you want to call it. But they basically had, um, Seltman and Chater had identical studios where they just kind of work on something then they'd send it to the other guy and they would, um, you know, add to it or change it you know, build it up and he would send the other one to, you know, they'd kind of go back and forth, building it up as they go. Yeah, like sharing uh, cassettes with each other of things that they've created and mm -hmm. then, yeah, bouncing it back and forth kind of thing and seeing if they can mix and match ideas from different tapes and putting it together. So it's a very crazy creative process to um, pull all that together. And Totally. Yeah, I think that a lot of what they do is um, taking, um, you know, uh, they'll take like a vocal sample or a string sample from one record and then a flute from somewhere else. And then they'll like kind of key it to match the key and mm -hmm. see how it fits. And I feel like they, they do a lot of digging for samples and, and they sit on them for ages. And then they're like, yeah, we, we had this sample that was sitting around for two, three years and we finally found a place for yeah, it. Yeah. But they keep it in their head. They know they want it. They have a attachment to it. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, a crazy way to work. Um, just got to have all this on your mind the whole time. Yeah. Like, you know, all these bits and pieces. Massive jigsaw puzzle, I think, I guess, all these pieces that eventually come together. And um, in this very cohesive first album, yeah, like you say, is very influential. Um, I think uh, when it came out, there were a lot of um, other sort of groups around that time that I felt were kind of similar, like Fatboy Slim. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a group out of the UK, I think as well, a duo called Bentley Rhythm Ace. Okay. They're really, if you like Avalanches, you'll like them. We might, I might dig out a track or something and play it. That was cool. When I first found Bentley Rhythm Ace, I was like, yeah. Because it's very, it's, it's basically Avalanches, but I don't know what these guys are doing anymore. I don't know if they're around or anything. Yeah. But, um, and then who else was there? Um, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, Bentley Rhythm Ace, Fatboy Slim. I mean, even Chemical Brothers a little bit. They were starting around that same sort of yeah, time. Right. Um, so it was all that culture of like, I think they called it Big Beat, Trip Hop, Big Beat, yeah. Break Beat, Sample type yeah, music. And so yeah. this album is kind of one of the albums that helped create these kind of things that we know today. Yeah, for sure. Um, and kind of, you know, kind of get that glue. Like you can sample whatever you want, put it all together and create something brand new. Super cool. And so they, I think a lot of the samples they used were stuff they would particularly like samples that nobody knew about underground stuff that maybe nobody even wanted. Like that's not even a good album, yeah. but we want to use something from that because, because nobody knows about it. Yeah. I think they said like, like stuff that they, most people would consider trash or whatever or disregard. Mm -hmm. They're sort of re giving re new life to. And yeah, I think Darren Seltman in this documentary also said, um, he said, like, you were not stealing stuff. We're, um, we're sort of taking something as inspiration and then breathing new life into it. And it's creative. He said it's, it's a creative process, which obviously it is because it's like, it takes, you know, it takes a long time 
uh, if anyone out there's ever done sampling um i've done a bit of it i think i got a bit impatient with it you know by just taking a loop and wanting to sample a bunch of things at the same time but you really you really quickly realize it doesn't work that way it's like you have to spend a long time gathering these banks of samples and ideas until you find a way to literally thousands of sounds and then making sure it's in the same key yeah you know i mean these guys put a lot of good work into this and it it really shows there's a lot of detail they ended up winning an aria award aria award which is an australian music i think it's an australian recording industry association um aria award so that's like their billboard or something i don't know Mm -hmm. but uh yeah for best dance artist release and mm-hmm. yeah, Australian Recording Industry Association. So super cool. Uh, I, I forgot to say before, the working title for this album before it was released was Pablo's Cruise. Yeah. Kind of the secret title, the working title, which, which is fun uh, fact. funny because I heard a journalist say that when they launched this album in Australia, they had a, a, a cruise in the bay. Oh, that's how this album release party type deal. Yeah, and they said it was kind of uh, a lot of angry people because they were out on the boat and they ran out of beer halfway (laughs) through the the thing and there's a a boat full of music journalists and uh, (laughs) people. This one guy was like, you ran out of beer in in Australia as well? How very un-Australian. Who was in in charge of the the alcohol at that party? I mean, it's a boat party. Yeah, exactly. That's what the the guy said. uh, uh, What's his name? De Blasi? De Blasi is he uh, Italian? De Blasi, he looks very Italian. Yeah, yeah. He said, "Oh, I didn't even," because he was uh, a journalist. Told him about, reminded about this, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't even remember that." He was like, "If I did, I would be like, yeah, (laughs) pounding on the bar." Yeah, speak to the management, please. Let's go back to shore. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I mean, yeah, I don't know. This is not the album that I discovered them. Okay, which one? Uh, The second one. um, Since I left you, that's not. Uh, I just listened to this. Like this week, yeah. Um, but I knew I, I discovered the Avalanches from Wildflower, their second album, okay. which yeah. we can talk about in um, a second. Because I mean, there was a quite a bit of time in between the second album and the first album. Sixteen years. Sixteen years, Jay. Sixteen freaking hell years. You could have That's a long time. You could have a baby, and it will be a teenager by the time this <laughs> album. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's one of the things. Um, I mean, so we can kind of get into that. Saltman was out officially in 2006 mm-hmm. he was i think he started a family and it just wasn't working out because they were uh the avalanches were still kind of living that broke Touring, musician life yeah. and yeah they they did go on tour that was after since i left you was their first headlining australian tour yeah. so that's you know huge for them obviously yeah. um so Seltman was out in 2006 mm-hmm. um also during this time i think robbie chater kind of got ill Oh, I didn't hear about this. Yeah, so he had two different autoimmune diseases oh, wow. going on, which, yeah. um, you know, I'm not, I didn't look into the details and, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say it so publicly, like out of respect. So I don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, he was going through some stuff, some hardships as far as his health. And, you know, obviously it's 2020 and I think he's doing fine today. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, but obviously something that's difficult to go through, especially while you're trying to, this is you all know, during last, this whole 16 year period. Yeah, this is, yeah, from, yeah, I don't know this, the specific dates. Again, I didn't look into his illness or hospital dates or anything like that, but um, it was uh, some, sometime after around 2006, I'll just say. Yeah. Um, so that was going on. Um, 
Yes, I mean, they're just living their lives. Seltman was out starting a family. He was kind of like the main dude at the beginning, I feel like, but then he was out. It wasn't until 2011, 2013, where they started to get super serious about working on the next album. Um, in the meantime, I think they released a few, um, a few remixes of their own music or somebody else's music. So they were still working on music and still coming up with ideas and, and banks of samples and they were still creating. And DJing uh, out, I think, still, yeah, still DJing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So keeping busy for sure, regardless of all the turmoil of, of their personal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so then boom, 2016. Yeah. Should we jump straight there? Yeah. Well, actually, first, because I want to use the restroom. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I want to invite all the listeners to the restroom so they can hear this. Well, let's go. Let's just pack let's everything just go, up. Let's go, yeah. No you problem. Ready? No. I'm just checking. I wanted to mention about the name, Avalanches, how they got their name. Oh, yeah. We kind of skipped it. Let's back up a little bit. One um, second. Yeah, before we... I, meant, I had a couple things to say. Um, yeah, what did, what did you have to say? Well, at the the early days, back to the EP days, there were Alarm One Fifteen. Yeah, I had I found some other um, previous band names that they were going under when they were playing some shows. I think they were basically having a new band name for each show, trying to figure out what they wanted, how they felt about it. Yeah. Um. So another one was uh, Whoops Down Syndrome. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> Quentin's Brittle Bones. Okay. I guess Quentin was one of, of the guys. Uh, a lot of health related. Uh, yeah. Titles. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's relevant or actually means anything or if it's just random yeah. um swinging monkey cocks that's a great one that's a pretty great one yeah that's kind of in their wheelhouse <laughs> i think yeah. and then so they settled on the avalanches yeah which as far as i know was a a a, a band in california that released a one surf rock album yeah under the name the avalanches yeah i think it was called winter surf or something um yeah and I, and I actually got a track queued up here from them nice because i feel like they called themselves this for a reason maybe like they knew about this album obviously kind of thing it's actually pretty great i love actually old surf rock and yeah it's super vibey but it's almost kind of like a christmas album there's a couple like christmas songs on there is that I didn't, I didn't yeah see it's like that. winter wonderland there's okay. a couple like christmas well this songs. track is called snowfall as well yeah so i i didn't realize that a surf rock christmas album yeah well it makes sense the avalanches right okay yeah so i mean snow <laughs> so snow there's some themed. similarities and stuff yeah california 60s surf rock it doesn't make me think of snow but that's what they went with <laughs> it, was, it was like surfing i don't know look it up but it's, it's cool surf rock yeah it's kind of early beach boysy yeah but super sun water beach vibes for shits and giggles let's play a little bit of them because i think it's good like surf it's rock. definitely fun yeah it's yeah. great there we go so yeah it's a little bit of uh very chill. The inspiration of where the Avalanches got their name from, from another band called The Avalanches out of California. At that point, it's fair to take a band name if they hadn't released anything since the early 60s. I feel like I would say. That's the way. So yeah. I don't feel like they, they took it or stole it in you know any kind of malicious way. That is actually interesting. I forget the name of the band, but there was one band that was pretty famous. 
I think, either from America or from the UK. And then when they tried to release music in the other country, they had to change their name because mm -hmm. another band already, even though they weren't releasing stuff, they had enough stuff out that it warranted a change. I'll have to find all that who that band was, but they were pretty big, I think. <laughs> it sounds familiar. I can't think of anything yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah, but yeah. We'll, 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 well, you have to add that in the comments or something on on online or something. Exactly. Yeah. If we if we were online or something ever, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, find us on our AOL chat room. That's a new edition that we have now. Um, AOL chat. Yeah. We oh, have we have a chat just room. on the the fringe of technology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love oh, it. Yeah. Oh, it reminds me of something that's completely off topic, but um, I'll just say it. What is it? Uh, you know, Brexit is happening. Yeah. And uh, they did all these. Uh, thousands of pages of documents about the new trade deals and stuff like that. Right. And there's a section about cyber security mm -hmm. and they mention uh, Netscape um, browser and Mozilla mail. And apparently these are things that uh, were obsolete in 1997 and they here in 2020, they just copy and pasted these uh, mm -hmm. modern technology into the Brexit document. So I digress, but obviously no one's reading and fact checking that shit. Well, great, somebody is great hope for the UK going forward. I mean, I hope they're all good out there. I don't know. I don't know as, as well as you coming from that area. Yeah, it's a shit show. It but, sounds like it's kind of a shit show over here as well. Same, so, you know. same kind of deal. Yeah, uh, I don't know. There's a good phrase for that, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, same but different. I don't know. Yeah. So same shit, different day. Since I, I left you, epic album, lot of samples, super great. I would. It's a very strong, deep cut album. Yeah, I would start there if you've never heard of the Avalanches, because yeah. um, that'll just kind of fall right in. Mm -hmm. Um, it's super cool. They had took 16 years to make their last album. Yeah, Seltman was out in 2006. Mm -hmm. They got started booking studio time in 2011, 2013. Um, James De La Cruz was back in mm -hmm. in 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they liked that because it was like it feels more like a band again. Right. And they yeah. kind of they always will like that. They like the yeah camaraderie of it and i love that about music and that's why i'm involved with music and stuff for the brothership and like building something with other people yeah so absolutely. i think yeah. they respect that i think that's super cool um yeah so they worked really hard they had this bank of samples from 16 years worth of creating stuff and slowly but surely they they, they built wildflower yeah that came out in 2016 yeah were you able to listen to that album um i was i think i this is the album where i discovered them and again, this show's getting, it's going to get a little meta because oh, yeah. uh, a lot of these artists are coming in together. Um, but they, one of the tracks has Toro y Moi. Oh, really? And I that, didn't that came that. up on my Spotify at some point. And I was like, this is cool. That he, sounds like this he, guy's voice. He's on this album? Yeah, he's on Wildflower on. I didn't well, let me bring this. it up. Didn't, if I have it, does that. see it on the Spotify. Oh, man. I don't know how to use my computer. But the other thing about this album, they were saying about the title, they said they wanted to come up with something simple that didn't distract from the music and also someone that didn't really describe the music because it had been so long. I think they wanted kind of an ambivalent name and they sort of cited things like Smile from the Beach Boys as just kind of like a simple kind of title to go with. Sort of yeah, not getting in the way of yeah. the, 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 the vibes of the music. Yeah. Cool, super cool. I think so. Toro y Moi, that was the the track that I discovered these guys on called "If I Was a Folk Star." Hmm. Super cool, chill, breezy track. Yeah. 
And that's why I discovered the avalanches. I was like, let me get into this because it sounds super cool. And then once I listened to it, I was like, I recognize this voice. It's Toro Imwa, who I discovered previously not too long before. And it was super cool to kind of see these connections between these great artists that I was just discovering. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, a, I think, a really good music video that came off this album for, I think it's Because I'm Me. And it's that song with that sample of a little kid singing kind of thing. Yeah, right. And the music video is like really great for it. Like, uh, I didn't watch that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really cool. So it starts out with a little kid, must be like five years old, trying to chat up uh, the uh, lady that's selling him a subway ticket nice. kind of thing. And then he like busts out in this whole dance move thing, trying to impress her. And then at the end of the video, like he just like disappears in this big inflatable heart appears or something cool <laughs> this is a very crazy little video but sounds like a cool little kid and it's a crazy song as well though because uh yeah i thought it was like a young michael jackson sample or something like mm -hmm. kid. but apparently it was from i thought i should have had the title right in front of me of there but it's like a the song is a mixture of like three different records um the main musical background comes from one sort of funk record and then the singing part comes from this like really strange little album where, where it just had this kid singing and like some bongos in the background. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like really off kilter and they sort of just mished mashed those two things together to create that one song on Wildflower. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk Wildflower. It's super cool. I think they, they kind of went with a vibe. They wanted to create this vibe that like they're going on a road trip in the country, like a big wide open country, like Australia, mm -hmm. something to put on and, um, uh, kind of that nostalgic vibe like you're with your buddies you got a six-pack you're going camping out in the bush and uh you know this is kind of the soundtrack for that yeah kind of experience and i think they nailed it it's smooth it's easy going it's dreamy um it's it's they they always throw in this kind of psychedelic feel to basically all of their musics that i can see but it's it's like a, it's happy and sad feeling it's like a nostalgic kind of thing yeah and i think they drew a lot from the um their influence from the beach boys who kind of really nail that sound of kind of sad but feel good hopeful mm. and it's kind of that melancholy that melancholy yes. yeah, yeah okay yeah we, we're gonna have to start a, a just a vocabulary <laughs> podcast or, or a glossary or an index for roots to grooves yeah, yeah, yeah all the words we uh plunder phonic um what was the aerial oh, pink hypergogic hypergogic something god we, we're still not sure that's we're why we have to sure. research that yeah <laughs> um so this is a great great album um what else we got on this? I think they had to max out a lot of credit cards to produce this, I saw, which is interesting because they had this huge album 16 years before. Yeah. And, you know, I always wonder what, what are these people doing? Like, I know a lot of off-topic, you know, guys playing in the NFL or something. They're making millions. Like, they're, they made it, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're on TV. They're doing the sport that they, they grew up wanting to do. And then, like, a lot of them don't know how to manage their money. And... uh I don't know. They they they're still poor at the end of it or something. So when did the first album come out? <laughs> like what year was this? The, the very first one. Two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. And then twenty sixteen was this one. Mm -hmm. So I feel like probably at least for the first five years of the first album came out, they were kind of riding on the coattails of that whole scene, right? Yeah. Beastie Boys were big. Beck was big. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he was. Yeah, that's sort of late nineties, early two thousands thing. Totally. Um, and then they toured a lot. I mean, they sponsored so many, uh, I mean, 
sponsored, <laughs> supported so many like public enemy and shit like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess probably like it wasn't like a full 16 years. It was probably like 10 years. Right. I mean, they were, After yeah, they were certainly keeping busy. Like that, they, yeah. they didn't just like take the time off. Yeah. Doing whatever they wanted. They were still yeah. working on stuff, still creating everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, also like, yeah, I mean, that first one, there was some kind of hits on it that get used a lot. I've heard in commercials and stuff like that. So that they probably had a lot of sort of income coming from royalties from sure. placements and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and like yeah. I said, he had, they, I mean, we got a guy with broken legs. We got a guy with got some hospital fees. To pay for. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, their life stuff comes up. So, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I'm just saying it's interesting to yeah, see. Yeah what happens because i've never been in that position to to get a huge sum of money or have royalties coming in for example personally yeah. and it's just interesting to me i mean financial literacy is interesting to me in general so i, I want to know what people are doing with their money and and, and, and like why that's something a lot of uh, musicians don't really think about right <laughs> we should or all have or they plunder it like to use that word again yeah they plunder <laughs> their savings and their money right. and uh, on drugs and partying or fast cars and big mm -hmm. houses and then they're like oh shit i gotta put some new records out <laughs> whatever the motivation is uh, i'm glad they made another one yeah um it, uh, yeah super cool so like i said touring was on this mm. there's uh there's verses from danny brown danny brown who's he, he cool you know rapper okay as far as i know i don't know super much but I, i've heard him a lot on i've heard him on gorillas i think mm um and you know he's pretty prominent but mf doom is on here oh, with know. the verse um, yeah okay um ariel pink it, really he's on this ariel rosenberg so i didn't I, I just did not see any of these features when i looked at their album on spotify it didn't show for me any right. of those people but, not uh, ariel pink's in here yeah so ariel rosenberg who is yeah. ariel pink who yeah. we did an episode on before tori moi like i keep saying yeah. we did an episode on him yeah kevin parker from tame impala did drums on a track he is Tame Impala, right? Well, he is, yeah, yes, yeah. one and the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the guy's name is, is Kevin Parker. So he did drums on the track Going Home. Okay. Um, and then Father John Misty's on this album as well. Okay. So you could see, I mean, the first album, yeah. Since I Left You, they didn't have a lot of vocalists or artists come work with them, but they sampled a lot of stuff. On Wildflower, they did actually start working with people because they gained that prominency um, and acclaim and other artists were willing to work with them and record new stuff and yeah you know new verses and 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 build stuff from scratch for this album yeah and even, they, yeah go ahead i was just gonna say even though the album is still the same vibe with mostly sampled instrumentation it's definitely like a level up though like I, it doesn't sound like cool you know i mean the time gap is a big thing and i think people place a lot of importance on that when they talk about this album like i've seen a lot of people review this album mm -hmm. and i think the anticipation of it is like it's kind of a, a misleading thing to think that they would be spending that much time to make like some people might think oh you spend 16 years to make a masterpiece and like then, it must be way better than the must, first album yeah then. it's like a weird anticipation and also yeah the the factor of following up a big successful debut with something right. else is, an, is another factor but I definitely feel like it's a level up in terms of um, being less all over the place and less, less mixtape-y and more sort of focused mm -hmm. on individual tracks and songs versus an album that cuts in and out of different things and comes back. Yeah, it's, like it has yeah, a it's bit smoother. More a, each track has a bit more of a foundation, I think, and as not a conventional song structure, but kind of, you know, a little bit. You know? No, totally. Yeah, yeah, I, get, yeah. I totally understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that same way. 
Um, yeah, again, so, on this one, they were having some um, sample clearing yeah, problems. Issues. So they, they worked with um, Pat Shanahan, who is apparently a sample clearing expert. Really? Because that's what he does. Pat Shanahan? Yeah. We need to get that guy's... Or is it a girl? Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm not Pat. sure. I think it's a guy. Okay. Need to get his uh, details. Yeah. Everyone needs to clear samples. I mean, check him out if you need to clear some samples. I'm sure he's still doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so that's what I got on Wildflower. Super good album. That's where I discovered the Avalanches. Super cool, easy, easy going psychedelic. Well, I, I want to hear this. I haven't heard it um, properly. I want to hear the track that Tame Impala is playing drums on. Going home. Going so, home. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear a little bit of that? Yeah. Give me, a, give me a little bit. I'm gonna run to the, the old Lou real quick. All right. That's that's the beauty of playing songs. We can <laughs> run to the Lou. It's interesting that he's on drums on that track because it's not a very long track. It's like two minutes. And yeah. it's, it's not like a big, massive feature. I don't know how big Tame Impala was at that time, but but he's in there and it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's like a <laughs> no, it's like a weird filtery song. It's not like a, it feels like a interlude between other yeah, tracks. Yeah, it's not a big, on. like, featuring Kevin Parker on drums. Yeah. He's just kind of, you know, providing that backbeat, yeah. um, you know, for the track. You know, I don't know exactly what they're their motivation for or how they hooked up together yeah for uh, that but it's cool that it happened and i mean it's obvious that they've they've worked with a lot of cool people gaining prominency with yeah. their music well it's interesting the feature thing because i think yeah we can um move on to talking about their most latest release i think are we ready for that yeah let's do yeah. it i mean from um, 2016 to now 2020 this year yeah um just the very end of this year but they released this in i think february um no well they released some singles in february but oh. the full album didn't come out till december 11th i i saw oh okay wow yeah um because covid happened uh, so basically when you people are listening to the show it's 2021 already right we're in we're in february this will come out like in yeah right <laughs> but um uh yeah because we're live um <laughs> uh anyway <laughs> uh yeah covid happened in 2020 if you remember that happening in 2020 i'm sure it's still happening in in march of 2021 did you get your vaccination yet? not yet but there's a new strain coming out anyway so oh is it like more like um is that like weed <laughs> yeah new, new this one's a little more indica so it's gonna yeah, kind of exactly. put yeah. you to sleep a little more <laughs> shit <laughs> put you to sleep a little. <laughs> that's kind of dark that's a dark yeah, joke let's get a little morbid here <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, no, but they said because uh, a lot, a lot of the um, vinyl pressing plants and everything had to close down during 2020, mm. and they said that's why they pushed back the release of the full album because they said it's not just all about streaming. They when they do a release, they want to make sure that they have all the physical copies available mm -hmm. as well. Especially paying homage to you know where they get a lot of these samples, where they're coming from from yeah. vinyl. Yeah, and especially for a group like this, I feel like a lot of people that listen to them would want to have a vinyl copy and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I do now. I need to get a record player in the first place. There you go. Start um, there. I'm a, I am a vinyl collector. As a, I, I love it. Is a very interesting. It's not the best sound quality in the world. I mean, you can get thousands of dollars worth of final turntables to make sure. it sound good and needles and all that. But, um, but this, yeah, there's something cool about, you know. The idea of it being a physical thing. Like yeah. that needle is on a physical thing with ridges and bumps. 
Yeah, no. creating vibrations in the air right in front of you. And it has this deep, gritty sound to it. Um, you know, and also you have all the artwork, depending on how certain groups release their material. Sometimes they have the big gatefold things right. of all the artwork. Some of them have like these booklets in there and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Which is a really nice yeah, it's a way of... physical. Um, yeah, I think it's a really nice way of experiencing... Uh, a record if you're really into music and you're really into an artist um i like to do that for people that i'm really into to get that uh, yeah you know back in the day great. you can sit back and like look at all the artwork as you're listening to the music yeah, like that. yeah. more of a experience i mean they used to do that even with cds i don't know if you remember but um they used to have a little booklet in, that came in the CD mm -hmm. tray. Yeah. And some of these bands would have all the lyrics for each song in there That's well. so cool. And yeah, yeah, some of them would say who's who was on here, who played keyboards, who did guitar. Who produced it, where, yeah. where it was recorded. Who they're thinking, thanks for being a part of this. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's more information. A, yeah, a level you don't get just from streaming. So, yeah. But yeah. Streaming is great, though. I mean, yeah. you know, th that's a whole argument in itself. Maybe we'll talk about that more in the future. Definitely. Well, let's yeah. jump to 2020. This year, December, they released We Will Always Love You. Mm -hmm. Great album. So I, I wrote down some thoughts that I had about it. Or even I mean, just, there's kind of word, vibe, vibe words. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, she dreams, mm. nostalgia, mm. distance, mm. alien life, space, yeah. uh, haunting. It's cosmic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's personal. Yeah. So it feels like, you know, it's like, the vibes I got are like, who who am I and how do I relate to this this place where I'm at? Yeah, you know, and am I here? Am I present or or am I far away? Am I distant? And it's kind of exploring these kind of you know this vast cosmic world that we live in, and in relation to who we are personally. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm talking crazy, but just those are kind of the vibes that I got from listening to this. I did as well. Yeah, when I uh, listened through it, this is definitely like more spacey mm -hmm. vibe, very modern sound. Um, I've seen some people review it and they're not so keen on it. Um, but it is, yeah, it's a departure from their early stuff. Even with, even only three albums in, it's a different leap and evolution, a mature evolution. I think this is a mature evolution of their sound and their music. Right. And stuff like yeah. That. I think it goes to show how cool their first album was when people are having such high standards for their, their next albums mm. where like, uh, it's not as, it's not as good or like very critical over it. How are you supposed to match up to something that was really that good? Yeah. And, and, and I feel it's different though. If you compared this album to the very first one, it's a different vibe to me. Totally. Yeah. You know, this is more of a listenable, you know, uh, kind of, Kind chill of, out sort of thing kind of presented in a little bit more of a cinematic way yeah i would say yeah. um but same kind of vibe still sampled still mostly instrumental yeah um but again they did work with more artists on this one as well so they worked with mick jones from the clash yeah he's on we go on the track we go on denzel curry is on something i don't remember sample the great is on here mm um tricky is on here tricky he's a really great he used to be in massive attack okay great went on to do solo stuff he's a really big influence for me nice basically, yeah tricky yeah. i've not i might have heard that before i don't i'm not familiar though that's cool yeah. and we should explore his stuff on a different episode yeah, totally sure. uh um, wayne coin from the flaming lips does some singing on this also rivers kumo cuomo yeah from uh weezer is on yeah. on one of the tracks as well 
Yeah, they said about that that um, for that collaboration of that song, they got in touch with him through his management, and uh, he listened to the track they sent him, and he he sent a spreadsheet back with like uh, diff- like three different choruses on <laughs> on each like part of the spreadsheet, and he was like, um, "Yeah, pick which one you like." Nice. And they were like, "Oh, I, I don't know. Can you send the melodies for each one? Because we're not sure." And uh, Where he didn't send the melodies. No, he just sent like the the, the lyrics, the words. Oh, on a, oh, okay. On a just the... and he was like, <laughs> "Pick one." And then, <laughs> and then he like sent um, the melodies to them, and they were like, "Oh, well, they're all good." It was like, "Can we just use them all?" And he was like, "Yeah, okay." So he <laughs> recorded them all, and um, and they worked all of them into the track. Cool. Um, and then, and then they said they hadn't met him in person. They'd just been working remotely with him, and he'd send stuff in. He finally came to Melbourne, and they were like, I think it was uh, Robbie and uh, and Dip, what was his name first name? Oh, De, Bla- De Blasi. De Blasi, yeah. Um, what, I don't know what his first name is though. Um, he, they said they were like googling all these places. They said they wanted to Tony. show Tony, yeah. They wanted to show him like a really good time in Melbourne, and they were looking up all these cool bars to go to and stuff like that. And he said, uh, was it Kiomo? Ku- Kuomo? Kuomo? I've never really known that. Just yeah. call him Rivers. Yeah. He, uh, all he wanted to do was just walk around because it was a rainy day in Melbourne. He just wanted to walk around with an umbrella. And then they went into a Starbucks and got some coffees and just chatted for like an hour and then walked him back to his hotel room and, and that was it. <laughs> That's how you do it in and Melbourne. They, and they were like, yeah, this is, Tony was like, actually, that was actually much cooler than what we could have done anyway. Probably a little more personal than just yeah. check out these cool bars. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, interesting little tidbit anyway behind that song. Yeah, I mean, so they're working with some, you know, again, some prestigious artists, um, you know, Flaming Lips, Weezer, yeah. Massive Attack, Clash. Yeah. So that's pretty epic. And it's interesting how they made these collaborations happen because they said a lot of time, like with Tricky, for example, they were just DMing him through Instagram. <laughs> that's how they hooked up with him? That's how they hooked up with him, yeah. You know, you think these artists are big and that and they're just they're just still finding different ways and avenues of connecting with different artists right. to invite them on their album and stuff like that. Just the way everyone's communicating, you know, on yeah. the, the lower yeah. levels of but society now, as well. But now I know Tricky is DMable on Instagram. Maybe I'll hit him up for this. <laughs> like a little interview action going for a signal. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There you go. So yeah. One of my favorite parts about this album is the album cover. Yeah. Do you know the story behind this? Yeah, it was, it was yeah. one of the, the coolest things about it. So yeah. the... The the woman who's featured on it is Anne Druan. I yeah, I think it. Anne Druyan. Druyan. Drew. Drew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So yeah. So she was the 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 wife or girlfriend of Carl Sagan. Yeah. The famous um, astrophysicist writer. Yeah, astronomer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, philosopher about space, everything space. Yeah, I mean, super yeah. cool, down to earth guy. As far as I know, super great. Yeah. Um, so this was like in 1977, and so Carl Sagan and Anne Drew Yan were responsible for creating the the content that went on that gold disc. Mm. That I, I hope most people probably know about this, but they they created this gold disc that NASA sent and shot into space that's still traveling at thousands of miles an hour away from Earth into the distant cosmos. Yeah. Um, what's on this disc is music and different culture um, embedded onto like a gold vinyl disc 
that's being sent out there. Hopefully, if any aliens are, are, are riding out there and find it, we'll be able to capture a little bit of the human experience. So super cool. And she's the yeah. one who's on the that album cover. Yeah. And uh, they were saying, um, yes, yeah, so they sort of met and they kind of, Anne and uh, Carl Sagan had this sort of love affair. And, and they got, he proposed marriage around this time, I think, around the time they were making the golden record. Yeah. Well, they think they met kind of making it. Yeah. And they kind of fell in love that. during this process. Yeah. And so, like, Carl Sagan was on like a, he headed a committee to decide what was going to be on the record. Mm hmm. And, um, and Anne actually went to record her heartbeat and her, the re recording of her heartbeat is on the golden record, which is hurtling through space. It's super cool. And I think the day she went to record her heartbeat at the hospital, the day before he, he proposed, I think. Yeah. So it was like even more of a poignant thing for her and, uh. Yeah, and so I think uh, Avalanche is what they wanted to do is they wanted to invite her to record sort of vocal uh, samples that they would use in between tracks on the album, right? To sort of weave things together. They said so they didn't end up happening, but they were able to sort of get her image on the album cover artwork. Yeah, so it's a it's yeah. a really cool. I don't know if we can we can show you guys. I don't know if we can pull up a little. We'll put it up now on the on the there YouTube it is. channel. Yeah, it, it's it popped is. up right there, and it looks super cool. So super yeah. kind of stark gripping image to me yeah where it's kind of glitched out and kind of faded yeah or i mean you know kind of i don't know what you call it like it's it's glitching away kind of yeah. messed up photograph it's a glitchy space like you could it's almost like you're looking at on a on a space monitor on a monitor a space monitor <laughs> a monitor and a space capture or something right like no yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um and yeah so it's super cool and i think it, it means a whole lot more if you know the story behind it yeah um so that's andrew ann on that cover and uh, I mean, and, uh, super I, cool story. And I didn't realize that Carl Sagan passed away in Seattle. He, he I didn't know that either. He had uh, cancer, and he was at the uh, the um, Fred Hutchinson Institute, and that's where he passed away. Oh wow! South Lake Union, and yeah, uh, shame. Yeah, to lose so, a guy like that. Definitely, yeah. Especially he was, you know, only sixty something as well. Right. So I don't know that yeah. story. That's you know yeah. unfortunate either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I. At least these people got to do something super cool. I mean, they built that gold record. Yeah. And it's still out there flying away from us right now. I mean, what a legacy. What, I mean, that's, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> so I can see why the Avalanches yeah. wanted to kind of put that onto their, yeah. you know, work with that idea and kind of blend those experiences. Yeah. Um, I think it goes really well with their with their music. Should we play a little track off this album? Yeah, I would love to. I got, you got I got a few, yeah. I can't remember what they sound like. I listened to this album all the way through once and it was really good. Um I think I well Yeah, I'm gonna play Reflecting Light. Okay, sounds it's a good. Really, really good cinematic track. Cool. Yeah, that's a lot more of a polished, robust mm -hmm. song versus a lot of their earlier stuff. Yeah. Actually reminds me of another uh, group that I want to name check from those group of people that I said was similar sounding when they when Avalanches first came out. There was uh, another duo called Ray and Christian out mm -hmm. of the UK and they released this album called Sleepwalking. 
and that song reminded me a lot of um this a lot of these tracks on this album sleepwalking nice um so and that yeah it's another group that's similar sphere of like sample big beaty type sounds kind of i'll have to give that a listen next time yeah so um yeah that was uh reflecting light featuring a couple of uh other artists on there, uh, Sananda Matreya and Vashiti mm-hmm. Banyan. I haven't heard of those people before. But Do we also say that Perry Farrell is on one of these tracks as well from Jane's Addiction? Singer from Jane's Addiction. Oh, no, I didn't recognize that name. I saw that name, but yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, crazy. A group of... Um, on on the Sun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you could tell the, the, the influence this, the Avalanches have on the the world how how they're working with so many different prominent artists yeah um another one was mgmt's on one of them yeah on this album so this 2020 this is this album is fresh it's fresh it it dropped this month which i was mistaken on we will always love you yeah and it's only four years from the last one yeah so they're they're getting better (laughs) i think they're getting quicker they mention that a lot because they're always asked about it right ever since spending 16 years between two albums um so Hopefully the next one's only a couple of years away. We'll, we shall see. I would love but, to hear some more of these guys. Yeah. I mean, for me, all three of these albums are, are pretty great. Yeah. Very listenable all the way through. Yeah. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about them. No, I think uh, uh, one interesting thing about their workflow I wanted to mention about, which I don't know if it works this way now, but it did back in their early days in their very first album because they were doing a lot of sample stuff and, and mix the, you know, they mix as they go as they're writing the tracks kind right. of thing. And, um, and they, after they've done that and they're happy with the composition of it all and the collage of it, then they'll go to a big mixing studio and then they'll just strip back every layer, every sample and remix it for EQing. Kind oh, of thing. okay. And then they'll mix the album like that. And they said it was interesting because sometimes it lost the feel of how they heard it when they were at home working on it. So it took them a little while. So even though it's not light, you know, this is a different thing because we've talked about it's in a different episode. I think especially like if Ariel Pink I mentioned about um, when you're trying to re-record a song live and trying to recapture that vibe and that right. feeling. You cre- create that demo and just like we hit that magic. Yeah. Let's, let's get that in the studio and make it, you know, for our record. Yeah, and so it's interesting that Avalanche just went through that same thing but they weren't re-recording stuff. They were just mixing it. Right. But they, yeah. It, so it takes them a while to massage those mixes and to get it to, you know, those things that are like mixed and ducked and placed in the, in the sphere in the stereo sphere. Right. That makes the tracks work. So that's another, just, I just wanted to throw that out. There it was another interesting kind of, uh, you know, workflow and sort of approach to, um, you know, even though it's sample based music, you can still go through that process of trying to get recapture that vibe kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Was really interesting. Uh, you yeah. put any of these albums on and you'll see the attention to detail is great. Um, you can you can hear how much work went into this and why some of these albums take so long to to create. Yeah. Um, they're not trying to make anything for any commercial reasons. Yeah. You know, they're making stuff that they love and that they're attached to. Um, you know, influenced from all these samples from music that they love or don't love. And they, ooh, ooh, ooh. steady on now. Is everyone okay Seattle. out there? Yeah, is everyone okay? Sorry for the interruption, everybody. Yeah. 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 Anyway. You know, we're downtown. <laughs> it adds to the texture. Yeah. Right? yeah. We're inner city life. 
out here. It's downtown Seattle, rainy yeah. night. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um. So that's all I got on these guys. I mean, this album just dropped. Yeah. I say give them a listen. Yeah. So I would go. Um. Since I left you, I would start there. Go to Wildflower, and then we will always love you. Just go in that that LP discography. Yeah, and even this 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 new one, I feel like is something that I want to spin again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's an album that uh, I need. Uh, uh, it's so crazy. I haven't done this for a long time. I don't know why. Like time and life and things happening, sort of thing. But it used to be that I would discover a new album. I'd listen to it all the way through, and then you know I'd put it on a few more times, kind of thing. And I feel like I want to do that with this album. Yeah, uh, we will always love you. I feel like it's a lot more deeper than on than upon first listen. So totally, there's a lot going on, a lot of different samples, a lot of that detail, like we've been talking about. And I think it definitely warrants. You're gonna get more out of these albums the more you listen to them. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah, totally for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, that's all I got on these guys. All right, you got anything else? That's about it. I yeah, I've I've said all I wanted to say. Same. These guys are great. The avalanches. Here on Signal Radio. Yeah. Here on Roots to Grooves. Email us roots to grooves at signalradio.com if you have anything to say. S I G N L. Let us know if you had any information or any cool stories or any corrections that you have yeah. for, for any of these episodes. We'd love to hear yeah. um, what you guys are talking about. Or comments or whatever on the on the YouTube yeah. channel. And uh yeah, if you are watching this um on YouTube, the best place to go is signalradio.com to listen to the full episode in its entirety, uncut. Unedited. S N S I L. No, S I G N L radio. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to spell, man. It's not my job. I only learned yesterday how to spell as well. So it's okay. We're all learning. Signalradio.com. Check it out. Roots to Grooves. You want to play us out? Let's just play out with the title track. We will always love you. Featuring Blood Orange. All right. Thanks, guys. This is Jesse Quigley, Jay Purcell. This is Jay Purcell. I'll see you next. We'll see you next week. Later, guys. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.